to hold these truths to be self-evident. A date which will live in infamy. Ask not what your country can do for you. That's one small step for man. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Tear down this wall. Read my lips. I did not have sexual relations with that one. Yeah, you did. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Stop the education government schools failed to give you. This is WTN University. Masters in Divinity course. The Life of Muhammad. I am Michael Del Giorno, along with our professor and headmaster, Dr. Bill Warner. Welcome to WTN University Master's Course, The Life of Muhammad. You know, we had, oh, you live in world, Muhammad Ali lecturing us all this week about what Islam really is. Uh, and one of the first things that Bill Warner taught me is you want to understand what Islam is, you need to understand Muhammad. Not Muhammad Ali, Muhammad the prophet. And so ultimately this course in its most simplest uh, reduction is the life of Muhammad. Now, why do I believe that's so important? Because there's any number of hijackings, dogma, interpretations, or compromised ways of expressing Christianity. But there's only one true way to understand Christianity, and that is the life, example, sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and his holy word and bread of life, his word and New Testament, the Bible and the Holy Spirit that grants us the rhema and the wisdom to understand it. And so as critical as it is to understand Christ in order to understand Christianity, so too it is. You can't understand Islam without understanding Muhammad. And that's what this course sets out to do. Also, you're going to get a lot of basic things, like what does the Quran—who's speaking in the Quran? And what portion of their faith comes from the Quran? What portion of their faith comes from the words and actions of Muhammad? the Surah or the Sunnah. You're going to learn a lot of things step by step by step. There's so many out there listening that have said once and for all, they want to understand Islam. Not Muhammad Ali's version, not Malcolm or uh, uh, Louis F- uh, Farrakhan's version or, or ISIS's version or Muslim Brotherhood's version. Authentically, the life of and teachings, and example, and teachings of Muhammad. And that's what this course is all about. Now, I got to say one last thing before we begin class, and that is, when I was younger, I was a big fan of Cliff's Notes. And everybody would rush to the library to check out books or go out and buy books. If Lord of the Flies was our book that we had to read that week in school, I would run to the store and get the yellow and black Cliff's Notes for Lord of the Flies. Now, every teacher would say, don't get the Cliff's Notes. If you get the Cliff's Notes, you'll never pass this test. I only read Cliff's Notes, and I got all A's. I'm just a no-nonsense guy. Cut to the chase. Well, what a perfect person I am to be the radio host for this seminary class with this professor, because I will tell you this. He would say it this way. I take really, really big books and condense them down. I take really big subjects and boil them down. He is my ultimate hero. It's as if I met Cliff after all. The Cliff's Notes of Islam, a master's in divinity. WTN University, the life of Muhammad starts right now. And your headmaster and your professor and your doctor, Bill Warner. 
Well, thanks, Michael. That's, uh, maybe I can live up to the introduction. You always do. But uh, this is uh, a class that everyone needs to take. If I could have one wish for America, it's that everyone could know the life of Muhammad because all the political discourse would change, all the religious discourse would change because once you know Muhammad, you then understand Islam. Now, we need to bring that out because most people think to know Muhammad, to know Islam, you need to know the Quran. Well, yes, you do. But let me tell you this. You cannot understand the Quran until you understand Muhammad. And that's not because you're slow in any way. If you're the head of Quran studies at Al-Azhar University, you base your understanding of the Quran on Muhammad. So what we're delivering here is the easy part of Islam to learn because we're going to talk about his biography. Muhammad had a life. Got up in the morning, did his business, went to bed that night. So everyone can understand the life of a man. Now, understanding God, Allah, that's a little tougher. So we're going to take the easy thing to do here. Muhammad's life is so important that if you try to study the Quran first, first you'll be confused, but if you keep stay with it, you'll notice if you know Islam very well that there is no way to practice any of the five pillars by using the Quran. The Shahada. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet, which is one of the five pillars, is not found within the Quran. So how do you practice Islam? Well, if you read the Quran closely, you'll notice there's 91 verses which proclaim that Muhammad is the perfect Muslim. So therefore, the pattern of life of Muhammad is called the Sunnah, S-U-N-N-A. And let, let me stop here to introduce you to four words which are the, all the, sound the same. Sunnah, the perfect pattern of Muhammad's life. Sharia, which is the Islamic law. Surah, which is a chapter in the Quran, and Shia, which is one of the major branches of Islam. How important is it and difficult is it? Um, I, I think, and I'm gonna, you're going to teach the whole course, but one of the biggest problems we have in the West is that we're critical thinkers and they're dualistic thinkers. In other words, uh -huh. if Jesus had lived a certain portion of his life talking about God is a creator, we as his creation, how we're to treat others, how we're to love others, how we're to meet others' needs, how we're to love our wives as Christ loved. But then later, talked about beating your wives and killing non-believers. We would say he was a kook. Now, and by the way, may I say that everybody listening, you have that ultimate question. Uh, there was a great song by Philip Sandifer back in the early 80s. And when it's all been said and when it's all been done, do you want to know what it really boils down to? Who did you say his son was? And what did you do? That's it. Everything else is very interesting details, but that's what it's all going to boil down to. So we, and he is either who he said he was, son of man, son of God, Messiah, Christ, Lord of all, or he was some guy that was kind of kooky. You can't say he was a good teacher. He didn't claim to be a good teacher. He claimed to be God. So he's either a nut or he's God. One or the other, everybody has to make that choice. But, you know, Muhammad lived these three different lives, and that's reasonable for Muslims, and I don't think people in the Western Hemisphere are going to be able to get their arms around that. The other question is, is, is that, you know, they just can't we, – everything we – faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So we believe in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and the New Covenant fulfills the Old Covenant. And so we think, well, naturally, then their beliefs all come from the Quran. And so I would say, I would ask you the question, is this a big thing for people in America to get their arms around that we only talk about the Quran and we only talk about what Muslims' opinion of, of Islam is as if we can't go look at Muhammad's life ourselves? 
And they ought to get used to this very shocking fact right at the beginning of this course. Only 14% of their beliefs come from the Quran, and 100% of our understanding tries to come from a Quran that we're not equipped to understand until we heed the first five minutes of this course that you just talked about. Well, that's the essence of it, in that the, uh, this is all good news, Michael, because one of the things that our audience has been told is, oh, Islam is so difficult, it's so profound, it's so intricate, why you need a lifetime of study, and you'll still never know what Islam really is. Wrong. <laughs> and we're going to take you down an easy path. Now, oddly enough, the easier is because of a scientific analysis that's been done of the text. Before I came to this project, I had tried plowing through Islamic work and found it daunting even for a serious scholar. Now, I spent some time in a university, and most professors want to impress you with how smart they are. I always had a different twist. I always found my challenge to be, how can I make this understandable for the student? And so that was what my whole purpose is. You said, uh, what, not Craig's... Uh, Cliff's Notes. Cliff's yeah. Notes. You like to reduce Craig's things list. down, make them simple. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I was determined to make it simple, but not by cheating. Right. I knew that what would make it simple was exposing its fundamental principles. Because as a scientist, once you know the principles of something, you can forget all the details. You can reconstruct them at any time. So that was my purpose in studying it this way. And let me say that I'm very fortunate because although Islam's been around for 1,400 years, no scientist ever really studied the Islamic text. Mm. I, I got there. I felt like the man, uh, there's an ex, the King Tut's tomb when it was opened. The uh, man who opened it looked and saw that he was the first man to see the tomb. And so I felt like him. Yeah. And I was I was the first guy there, right. and so I got, to pick all, I got to pick all the low hanging fruit. So, all right, so uh, let's go over the four S's real quick again. Well, actually, there's five S's. Or five S's. Well, no, I, I remembered one after we uh, after we started talking. There's the Sirah, which is the life of Muhammad, and that's what this whole course is going to be about. There's the Sunnah, which is his perfect pattern, his perfect example. There's Sharia, which is Islamic law. There's the Surah, which is a chapter in the Quran, and Shia, which is a branch one of the two major divisions of Islam. So Sirah, Sunnah, Sharia, Surah, and Shia. People it's get, complicated. No, but they can get confused <laughs> because, uh, you know, people will talk about, well, you learn, the easiest way to learn about Islam is to learn about Muhammad. His biography is called the Surah. Um, the, Sirah. The Sirah. And the words and the actions of Muhammad is the Sunnah. So every now and then I'll say Sirah, every now and then I'll say Sunnah. It depends on the context of which I'm talking. People think I'm saying two different things. When right. So get these S's down because they do lead to a lot of confusion. And so one homework assignment is make sure you study the S's. The Sirah, Sirah is his life. The Sunnah is his example. The Sharia is the law. The Sunnah is a chapter and the Shia is a branch. We'll get that all straight. But all right, let's, let's go back to the very beginning why we're focusing on the life of Muhammad and where their beliefs come from. Well, we're focusing on Muhammad because of one overarching principle. We want to understand Islam. And remember, if you take, there are two sources of, for Muhammad's life. One is the Sirah, which is all we're going to be talking about. And then there's the Hadith. Now, Hadith are little examples. For instance, the shortest Hadith is, war is deceit. Uh, or it could be what Muhammad did, how he ate food or whatever. So Ours I, was Jesus wept, but keep going. Okay. So anyway, that's even shorter. Yes, it is. <laughs> so we're studying what's most important, which is the life of Muhammad. Here's the beauty of it. Once you understand the life of Muhammad, you will never, ever be confused about Islam. Because you're going to see that the strangest thing about this story is, is that there are two very different Muhammads. And you're going to see how different they are. And you're also going to understand why there's two different 
Muhammad's. Muhammad turns out to be an incredible strategic thinker. He was fast on his feet. He could read people, read situations, and respond to them and adapt and change. This ability to adapt and change has made him one of the greatest leaders that the world has ever known. Indeed, we'll get more of this later. I maintain— And that's why their their followers today are very— how would I say it? Uh, we're the adversaries. I mean, oh. they are they are oh, always listen. three steps ahead of oh. us. They're oh. winning, and you know because they're following his life and his pattern. My, I am an admirer in a strange way of the Muslim Brotherhood because their ability to do strategic thinking is unparalleled within our society. Let me ask you one question: on when you, when when you say that the the three sources of belief is the Hadith uh, and the Quran and the Sirah. And 14% is Quran, 26% is Sirah, and 60% is Hadith. Is that the volume of text, yes. or is that 60% of the Hadith makes up their actions and 14%? I did it Do they the, equate, is what I, I'm asking. What it did is it's really easy. If you, ha- I have all these documents on my hard drive, mm-hmm. so they're loaded up as Word documents. And word counting in Word, if you'll look, is always at the bottom of the corner. So I, this, is, this is text. I just measure okay. how so many words just, are devoted. Okay. So 14% of all let's, – let's say this the way that people can understand. The Bible of Islam is Quran, Sirah, Hadith. All the, three. The Bible is not the Quran. Exactly. And that's – by the way, if you're dealing with somebody and they say, well, if you read the Quran, you immediately know the person asking you that question. Is it, more? Doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't know anything about Islam. Yeah. So. And you have and you understand 14% of their beliefs. Right. All right. So understanding Islam, not by the words of Muhammad Ali, but by the life of Muhammad himself. It's WTN University, Masters in Divinities with Dr. Bill Warner. And we continue uh, in just a short break. It's 1120 with cloudy skies and 65 degrees on our way to a high today of 69. your meat, you can't have any pudding. You're listening to WTN University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. WTN University, Masters in Divinities, the life of Mohammed. Aren't you sick of Barack Obama or the Muslim Brotherhood or Muhammad Ali telling you what Islam is? Now you can know for yourself with our life of Mohammed, uh, Masters in Divinities, WTN University, and our headmaster and professor is Dr. Bill Warner from politicalislam.com and author of the book, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims. And we're just kind of giving you an overview of what the course is going to be. You've got your five S's that you need to memorize. The Sirah, the life of Muhammad, the Sunnah, his example, the Sharia, their law, the Surah, a verse. And then, of course, the Shia, which is a branch. And then we just kind of talked about to understand Islam. And before you can ever understand the Quran, which is only 14% of their text, you must and have to understand the life of Muhammad. It really can be that simple. And with that, your professor, Dr. Bill Warner. Well, let's go and introduce another word we're going to be using. Uh, it is one of my life ambitions, Michael, that when I die, the word kafir will be used in common <laughs> conversation. That, that's, I'm serious. If I do that before I die, I will have led a successful life. So let's talk about the word kafir. Now, kafir is always translated in the books you read as unbeliever or non-Muslim or perhaps infidel. But this is not a good translation because when you see a non-believer is a neutral term. For instance, I'm not happen to be a full believer in the Big Bang Theory and physics. But this doesn't mean that somebody's going to key my car or start screaming at me or anything like that. But 
Well, being a non-believer of global warming can get you targeted. But well, yes, that's true. That's there, true. there are some examples. But yeah, this is far more than just don't agree with Islam. So anyway, the word kafir, K-A-F-I-R, I use because it is the Arabic word. Uh, I'm not making this up. And what I maintain is, is the word kafir cannot really be translated well. So let's use the original word. Now, here's some of the things that a, a kafir can be mocked. A kafir can be beheaded. Uh, they can be plotted against. And by the way, one of the plotters against the Kafir is Allah himself. Uh, a Kafir can be terrorized. And a Muslim is not the friend of a Kafir. There are 12 verses in Islam and the Quran which say that a Muslim is never to be the friend of a uh, – a Muslim is never to be the friend of a Kafir. And to me, that's part of what I find to be the most disgusting part about Islam. Can I ask yeah. a question on behalf of all the listeners? We hear infidel a lot, too. Is a kafir and an infidel two different things? There's, let's cover this. There are a lot of religious words in the, that can be talked about. Polytheist, idolaters, people of the book, Christians, which are Christians and Jews. That's a Muslim terminology. Buddhist, atheist, agnostics, and pagan. Those are religious terminologies. But the word kafir includes all of them. Now, infidel only applies to the Jew and the Christian. Because when you read the Quran, it says clearly that the Christians have corrupted the Gospels and that the Jewish rabbis have corrupted the Torah. So, therefore, they're not faithful. They are infidelity. It's the charge against them to that, that is they've harmed so their— So infidels are just the Jews and the Christians, yes. although we're all Kafirs too. Kafirs are all people, but it's not just those that don't buy Islam or reject Islam. They're actually considered evil— um, I'll give you a great example, I think, is uh, uh, Carlos Bledsoe. Came here to go to university, got radicalized in our Nashville mosque, went to Little Rock and shot Officer Long and killed him. Uh, when they interviewed him in his cell and said, why would you kill an innocent man that has nothing to do? And he said, he's not innocent. You don't understand. I didn't kill an innocent person. I killed a kaffir. And it, by the way, just right over everybody's head. To this day, it's over everybody's head. You, you've grasped the essence of it. A kaffir is never innocent because he has rejected Allah, he has rejected Muhammad, and therefore, since he has rejected them, therefore, if a rejecter is harmed, he's not And innocent. yet they'll tell you Saeed Farouk and, and his wife, Malik, uh, killed a bunch of innocent people and hijacked a peaceful religion. Well, they, if they were alive today, and they didn't want to because they wanted to ensure eternity, but if they were alive today, they would tell you, I didn't kill 14 innocent people that I worked with. I killed 14 Kafirs, and they deserve to die. They were all guilty of rejecting Allah. They were all guilty of rejecting Muhammad as the prophet. So therefore, we are not innocent. Now, what here's, let me, let's set aside, let's talk for a moment about people of the book. Because what happens, there's getting ready to be another interfaith dialogue in the so-called family of Abraham. And there's a Jewish rabbi who's coming down from New York to talk at a, one of the mosques. These people are all people of the book, and Muslims say, oh, we love people of the book. What they mean is, you have to understand when Muhammad was revealing the Quran, there were no books written in Arabic. And so the Jews and Christians having a book written down was like a big deal, so much so you could be singled out, people of the book. But in the end, the people of the book are crushed. So that's the story. I also want to look at, because I know he like to add things up, and we talked earlier about how much of the beliefs in text are Quran, Hadith, and Sirah. Uh, let's look at the word kafir and how much text is devoted to the word oh, yeah, kafir yeah. as well by way of Hadith, Sirah, and Quran. Yes. That might be quite an eye-opener for people that want to just view the Quran or just view Obama's view or just view Kerr's view or Muhammad Ali or Kareem Abdul. The only view of Islam that matters is the Muhammad prophet. 
Understand him, you understand Islam. That's why WTN University's Masters in Divinities is The Life of Muhammad. And class continues in a moment. It's 1130, cloudy and 65, high later on 69. The news starts now. Mr. Del Giorno, why don't you try keeping your eye on the professor and not Miss Freeman? You're listening to WTN University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. This is WTN University Masters in Divinities, the life of Mohammed, with our professor and headmaster, Dr. Bill Warner. It's 1140, 20 minutes before noon. Uh, we are kind of giving you kind of the syllabus or the overview of what this course is, and the, the thesis is very simple. It doesn't matter what Muhammad Ali says. It doesn't matter what Farrakhan says. It doesn't matter what Obama says. It doesn't matter what Kerr says. It doesn't matter what ISIS says. You want to understand Islam, you understand the life of Muhammad. And that's why we're starting right there. By the way. Microphone. By the way, we need to understand that you are learning the fundamentals, the DNA. It, let me explain something to you. There's no imam from somewhere or some Muslim Brotherhood scholar who's going to learn something about that's deeper than the knowledge we're giving you now. This is the source material. So you're getting the hard stuff, if you will. And we left off. Difference between infidel and kafir and the amount of text devoted to kafir. Right. So let's, let's – most people, when they think of Islam, they think of it as a religion, Right. So when I first started reading the Quran, one of the things that struck me was how much of it was devoted to the non-believer. And as a matter of fact, in the Quran, 64% of the words in the Quran are devoted to the unbeliever. That's breathtaking. It tells you a lot right there. It also tells you that, see, now let me define political Islam for you. I'm a kafir. I'm not part of Islam. So therefore, anything that Islam does to me is political in nature. It is not religious in nature. Now, 9-11 had a religious motivation, but it was a political action. Mm-hmm. Do you sort the two out here? Yeah, it's, it does by content, because the Sira is 81% of Kafir. The Quran is 64%. The Hadith is 37 So the Hadith is their law. I mean, they spend more time dealing with non-believers than they do discipling their believers, is what it that's clearly exactly, says. Two to one, actually. That's exactly correct. And this is extraordinary. When you read the Torah, it's about how to be a Jew. When you read Buddhist sutras, it's about how to be a Buddhist. They don't spend, that is a Buddhist sutra, well, I'm just picking that as a sacred text, does not spend all of its time. I've only life. studied the Karma Sutra. <laughs> moving along, no, moving along. <laughs> this is where I have to be a student and shut up. Keep going. The, uh, so anyway, the Kafir, the unbeliever, is the dominant focus of Islam. That means when Muslims come to America, they know what they need to do and how they need to act. That's the reason that, that we look at them and go, well, they're not acting like ordinary immigrants. They already have a game plan. Can I ask you a question? If, if we're watching Muslims come to America and expecting them to love it here and expecting them to assimilate, how reasonable is that, is that number one? And number two, as they come and as they are here, if it ultimately doesn't result in us being mocked, beheaded, plotted against, terrorized, not friended, and cursed— how stupid are we? Well, let's just say they were quite ignorant. In my opinion, there are – if you take all the world's religions, the thing that distinguishes Islam is it is its hostile attitude towards those who are not of its member of its religion. Now, by the way, let's move over here to the, to the uh, family of Abraham preaching the ch- uh, people of the book because there are parts – and we're going to show that there's two Muhammads in a sense and there's two Qurans as a result – 
In the early days, Muhammad was very kind to both the Jews and the Christians because his basic battle plan was, if, you, if I'm a middle-aged businessman and all of a sudden I tell you I'm the prophet of God, you're going to look at me like, whoa, what you Well, Jesus dealt God. with the same issues because he was the carpenter's son. He was Jesus. Now all of a sudden he's claiming he's God? Yeah. But anyway, so in the early days when Muhammad needed friends, he was very friendly to the Christians and the Jews. As a matter of fact, the Quran even says that, you know, the Christians have some validity to their what they believe. So that's what the average Christian who goes to these religious dialogues is told, and that's all they believe. And if that's as far as it went, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in my wood shop. Right. <laughs> but the fact is, let me, let me do a fast forward and, lay, and let me read you the last verse in the Quran, which deals with a Christian. Now, remember, for the early part of the Quran, they're dealing with a Christian as nice guys, maybe slightly misled, but nice guys. This is Surah 9, 29. So Surah, that's a chapter of the Quran. Make war on those who have received the scriptures, Jews and Christians, but do not believe in Allah in the last day. They do not forbid what Allah and his messenger have forbidden. The Christians and Jews do not follow the religion of truth until they submit and pay the poll tax, the jizya, and they are humiliated. So there's, a, there's an entire history of Christianity that's going to be summed up there because Islam did make war on the Christians. Because they did not believe in Allah. They believed in Jesus. And they'll make that distinction when you reject the Sharia law, right? Yes. They, they do not forbid what Allah and his messenger have forbidden. That is Sharia. And you would so have that, to acknowledge that Muhammad supersedes Christ yes, too, right? Okay. Yes. So, so therefore, to be a Christian, you have to admit that Muhammad is the final prophet and that Jesus was the prophet who came before him. Well, since most Christians don't believe that, therefore, they can be made war upon. Now, the, the last sentence here is critical, last word is critical, and they are humiliated. This is going to form, we're, we're running ahead here, but this is where we're going to get to. The Christian must become a demi. He must pay a tax to the Muslims, and he must be humiliated. The demi it's was absurd. lower than a slave mm-hmm. because a slave merely was told what to do, and sometimes he could be an accountant or some other white-collar job. But he was not to be humiliated. But those who were demis, who had submitted to Islam, they're to be humiliated. And this explains a lot of history of Christianity. Uh, we're continuing with WTN University, Masters in Divinities, the Life of Muhammad, Dr. Bill Warner from Political Islam. Let's get into, because we're doing the overview for the entire semester, uh, the three views of Islam. I, I, I want to make sure we get that in before we, we lose okay. the end of this class. Well, you need to understand that there are three views of Islam. And I'm going to give you an illustration. There was a day in Muhammad's life in which he beheaded 800 male Jews. Well, what's the comment about this? The comment of Islam is very simple. The perfidious Jews were killed and slaughtered. Islam had triumphed. This was a day of glory. For the Kafir, this was a war crime. This is an act of evil. But then we have the apologist viewpoint, which dominates America today. Well, that was then. This is now. Christians have done worse. We had the Crusades, right? We had the Crusades. So there's three views of Islam, Kafir-centric, apologist, and Muslim. I want to be very clear about this because my view is that of the Kafir. That is, I say that this was the killing 800 Jews because they didn't admit that Muhammad was the prophet was a wrong thing to do. Enslaving the women was the wrong thing to do. Adopting the children into the Muslim families, that was the wrong thing to do. So I want people to understand that I have a very clear and well-stated point of view. It mean, doesn't hear, change the fact that it happened. No. And why it's just it's how still I happening. view it. Right. It's how I view it. For instance, a Muslim would say this thing about Christians are to be humiliated with like, yeah, they deny the prophet, they deny Allah. 
So, of course, they should be humiliated. Well, see, I think it's wrong, but a Muslim would think it's right. So we're living in a multicultural world, and I'm trying to point out that I'm truly multicultural because I accept that there are three views, and who's to choose amongst them? Well, in a multicultural world, can I choose the culture I want, which is that of the Kafir? So Probably a good time to bring up there were three different Muhammads, too. Well, there was. There was Muhammad before he became a prophet. That is, he was a businessman. And by the way, it's very ironic. He was known as a man who could settle arguments and bring peace. But once he became the prophet of Allah, he was contentious and argumentative and created dissension within the, Muslim, within the Arab families. So, uh, Last part is Islam is primarily a political ideology. I, I think probably one of the greatest debates we have now is Islam, in fact, a religion. Or, or is it, in fact, a form of government, a form of finance, a form of law, a form of punishment? Um, I know the temptation is for you to say yes, yes. Yes. Well, that's it. Yes, it is. All of the above. <laughs> but, no, but notice something here, Michael. I do not say anything about the religion of Islam. Listen to me carefully. I don't say they're going to heaven. I don't say they're going to hell. I don't care about the religion of Islam. I don't care if Muslims pray five times a day, three times a day, never at all. I do not care. I care very much how I'm treated. So therefore, I'm going to teach this course on Islam from the standpoint of the kafir the one who is treated illly by Islam. So we do need to keep up with our point of view, and we do need to understand that I'm talking about political Islam. Can I say that again? Political Islam. And I want to know why we cannot have a clear, open, and free discussion about politics. Why is it that Islam is the only political system in the world you're never supposed to criticize, never supposed to dislike, never supposed to disagree with. Let's review and wrap up our uh, overview and syllabus for this semester's course. Our Master's in Divinities at WTN University, The Life of Muhammad. It is simply impossible to understand the Quran, or it's only 14% of the overall belief anyway, uh, or Islam in general, without understanding first the life of the Prophet. Muhammad Ali has an opinion. Louis Farrakhan has an opinion. Barack Obama has an opinion. Kerr has an opinion. ISIS has, has an opinion. But to truly under is, understand Islam is to understand the life of Muhammad. That's what this course sets out to do. We'll wrap it up, review it, and wrap up just the syllabus portion of Class 1 of WTN University Masters in Divinity, The Life of Muhammad, next on WTN. you'd like to share with the entire class what you and Mr. Del Giorno find so funny? Well, it's a busy... to WTN University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. It's a busy semester on the campus of 99.7 WTN University. Wednesdays is the advancing church. Without it, there could be no political freedom. And now we begin our Master's in Divinities course, The Life of Mohammed with Dr. Bill Warner, which, by the way, we're going to put this on politicalislam.com? Yes, we're going to uh, put this both on my website, politicalislam.com, and and I'll put it on YouTube, and I'll put it on Facebook. We'd love for you to listen every Friday live, and then we'd love for you to share it with friends or do it as a family uh, on Saturday. So every week, the audio will be posted on his website, politicalislam.com, and on his Facebook page. All right, so kind of a quick review. We went over the five S's. There's the Sirah, which is the life of Muhammad, the Sunnah, his example, the Sharia, their law, uh, the the Sunnah, which is... uh, uh, 
Surah. Surah, rather, which is like a chapter, and then there's a verse, which is in the Quran, and Shia, which is a sect of Islam. Uh, there are 91 verses that refer to Muhammad as the perfect Muslim. So the, the thesis to this course is very simple. You can't understand the Quran, let alone in its proportion, let alone Islam, until you understand the life and example of Muhammad. And it doesn't matter what Muhammad Ali says, or Kerr says, or Obama says, or ISIS says. You want to know what Islam is? Understand the life of Muhammad. And so the easiest way to learn about Islam is to learn about Muhammad. His biography is called the Sirah, uh, and um, we've condensed it down. Allah is in the Quran, and the words and actions of Muhammad are the Sunnah. And so we broke down some things that are very important, not the least of which is who you are. If you're a Jew or if you're a Christian, you're a person of the book, but ultimately, like everyone else, I mean, you're also an infidel, but ultimately, like everyone else, you're a Kafir. And we talked about how much of this religion, in context, Kafir is sixty uh, is 37% of the Hadith, it's addressed in 81% of the Surah, and it's in 64% of the Quran. This religion is more about its non-believers than its believers. And the punishment for being a Kafir, and you are, and they will view you as one whenever they get here or if they're coming, is to be mocked, beheaded, plotted against, terrorized, never befriended, cursed, and killed. And so to expect anything else is just not to understand the life of Muhammad. Uh, We also talked uh, a little bit about the three views of Islam and make no apologies that unlike the – we're going to take a Kafir view, unlike an apologist view or an Islamist view. And, uh, and then ultimately, um, that primarily, it is a political ideology. In other words, Dr. Warner is not really concerned with religious Muslims uh, as much as he is those who want to overthrow our civilization, our constitutional republic, or take our lives. The only thing I would conclude with is the question um, – and, and, and that is, as we move forward, um, how they prioritize. In other words, if you have peace-loving rel- religious Muslims only that only study the early peaceful years and ignore the latter years, um, do all these texts prioritize that the last things written supersede the earlier things written? You're, you're running to the all the way to the end of the class, but the answer is yes. Yes, okay. So when, when this is all over and you understand Muhammad, you will understand that ISIS is a completion oh, of yes. fulfillment and not a hijacker. Yes. All right, well, let's take it one day at a time. That's your syllabus for WTN University, Master's Course in Divinity is the Life of Muhammad. We start, guess where we start? In the beginning, class one, next Friday. I hope you'll join you. And I'll see the rest of you Monday morning at 9.